0: Today on Abounding Grace. In the battle of living life for Jesus Christ here on the earth, we're to know certain truths. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're sin shall no longer have dominion over us. And then when it gets tough and it starts to really feel like those truths aren't true, and remember, we looked at this. This has nothing to do with your feelings. As a matter of fact, when your feelings start to betray the Word of God, then we then begin to obey God's Word regardless of how we feel.
1: This is amazing grace. Yeah. Hello, friend, and thanks for joining us today for Abounding Grace. We're going through Romans, and today you'll see what it says about who we are in Christ and how to be successful in our battle against sin. Make your way over to chapter 6 as we uncover how to live the victorious Christian life. There's a lot to discover from this very valuable and practical passage of Scripture. Here now to help mine some of its gems, starting at verse
0: 12, is Pastor Ed Taylor. Consider this, the power of sin is pretty strong. Temptations and then jumping into sin, it is heavy. I mean, the power and the tug of sin can almost seem overwhelming. And we've been talking about wonderful spiritual truths about how we've been set free from sin, how we're no longer slaves to sin, how in Jesus Christ you have been born again. There is a new you. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, but it doesn't alleviate the pressure and the tug and the battle that we have ongoing with sin. And it can overwhelm a person, the tug of sin, the pull of sin, the pressure that sin brings, the struggle, even to the point where you might just give up. I don't wanna struggle anymore. I'm just gonna settle in my heart that I'm gonna be this sinful little Christian and I'm gonna act this way and I'm gonna say these things and you can't tell me anything to convince me otherwise. Did you know that that's true? I can't tell you anything to convince you otherwise. But there is a power working in you, Christian friends, the power of God's Holy Spirit, who can not only convince you, but convict you. And not only convince you and convict you, but confound you with his great love for you. It melts a heart, doesn't it, to think about God's love for us? I mean, it blows me away. It's so powerful that there are many that just simply refuse to believe that God loves me. Because the love of God is powerful. And in Jesus Christ, the power of sin has been broken. We need to know that. Throughout chapter six of Romans, Paul has been giving us these tools, these truths. So far, we've looked at two of four words that he wants us to grasp in understanding the life that we can live apart from sin. Remember, the first word was the word know, K-N-O-W. Would you look with me in chapter six, verse two, as we review where we've been? If you weren't here for the last couple studies, these are studies you really wanna get in your iPod or get the CD or have them available Because the tug and the pull of sin is so powerful that we need to be brought back to these things that Paul and the Holy Spirit through Paul expects us to know. Look at verse two. He answers the question, should we, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. No way. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know? He wants us to know that we have died to sin. The picture of that death is water baptism, going into the water, going under the water and death, coming up out of the water and resurrection. He says, Don't you know this? Don't you understand it? Jump down to verse six. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. I mean, that's glorious. The old man is dead so that the body of sin might be done away with, put out of business, rendered inoperative that we should no longer be slaves of sin. He says, know this, grasp it, understand it, believe it because Christian living is based upon Christian learning. And for many of you, it was the first time you ever heard the fact that you're not a slave to sin anymore. You've been delivered. Sin has no dominion over you as we'll learn today. The second word is found in verse 11. It's the word reckon. Reckon. He says, likewise, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. With our new knowledge now, we're to live that way. It's not enough just to know, now we're to live that when that tug of sin comes your way and when the pressure of temptation comes your way and when your ugly flesh rears itself up in your life, then the next step is to reckon these truths to be true and to be powerful and to be in your life. Reckon yourselves to be dead to that sin. Consider it a done deal. Believe what God has said about it as an accomplished fact. And we pick up in verse 12 now, as we continue on, looking at Romans chapter six, he starts with therefore. With all of these wonderful truths, here's the conclusion. Here's the powerful step that we take. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. That you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so the question becomes well, how do I overcome it? How do I get out from under the struggle? What is it that I do? Paul says, therefore, don't let sin reign. That word reign, you can circle it right next to it. You could write reign as king. Don't allow sin to be your king, your ruler, your leader. Don't allow it to reign in your life, but rather present yourselves, present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And so the third word now, it's no reckon. Now the third word is present. In the battle of living life for Jesus Christ here on the earth, we're to know certain truths. We are no longer slaves to sin. we sin shall no longer have dominion over us. And then when it gets tough and it starts to really feel like those truths aren't true. And remember, we looked at this. This has nothing to do with your feelings. As a matter of fact, when your feelings start to betray the word of God, then we then begin to obey God's word regardless of how we feel. But Ed, it's so heavy. It's so hurtful. You stand up there. You don't sit here in my life. How can you tell me what to feel and not to feel? Guys, you misunderstood me. I'm not telling you what to feel or not to feel. I'm just telling you this. Your feelings can betray you. Your feelings can pull you away from the God that loves you. Your feelings can set you on a path where you're now presenting your members to unrighteousness. And the justification behind your behavior is, why I feel this way. You don't know how I feel. You don't understand how I feel. I mean, this is overwhelming, these feelings. And we looked at it in depth. These truths transcend your feelings. These truths actually help pull you out of the pit again. These truths say, I know what you're feeling, but here's the facts and let me, God says, pull you away from the things that have been drowning you in sorrow, drowning you in error, leading you away from the fruitfulness that's yours in Jesus Christ. And so he says, don't let sin reign. Don't let it reign by presenting yourself to God for his direction and his strength. It happens often in a moment of time. A split second decision. Am I going to continue on in this way? Am I going to continue this fight? Am I going to continue this anger? Am I going to continue this bitterness? Am I going to continue this frustration? Or am I going to pause and present myself to God? It can go so well in the morning. You woke up in the morning and you were excited for the things of God. I mean, even before you took a shower and brushed your teeth, you were with the Lord. And he didn't say, hey, go brush your teeth. He didn't say that. He said, oh, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you set aside your whole agenda today. I'm so glad you set aside even the cleaning of your body and the washing of your mind. I'm glad you've communed with me today, son. I'm glad you've communed with me. And those times are sweet, aren't they? God speaks to us. God ministers to us. God plants these wonderful things in our heart and then we go off with the rest of our day. We go into the shower. We get ready for the day. We grab a cup of coffee. We pull out the paper. We get on the road and I-25 is still I-25, isn't it? I mean, they've added all those lanes, but it still is what it is. And Colorado drivers, they have a reputation. And they only have reputations with us. that are from California. But I'm a native now. I just want to let you know. Anybody ask? I'm going to have one of those pioneer plates pretty soon, man. We've only been here seven years. Ask some of the families. I've asked to be adopted in the family so I can have the pioneer plates. I'm from here. Where are you from? I'm from Colorado, man. This is my home. This is where God wants me. And I'm glad to be here. Are you glad to be in Colorado? You know, that's an attack of the enemy on you. I don't like where I live. You know what? Rejoice in the Lord. I don't like the city. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't like my car. Rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) I don't like I-25. Listen, if you haven't driven in Southern Cal, you haven't seen traffic yet. I don't care how bad it gets here. Parker Road in Hampton. These are all wide open highways. These are racetracks compared to Southern California. All right? But it still gets you, doesn't it, when people cut you off. I'm not, I don't have a sign on my car that says, cut me off, everyone, but people think that way. And it wasn't just a few moments earlier that I was seeking the Lord, that I was excited about the things of the Lord, that I had postponed everything in my day to seek him, but now there have been tests in my life. Somebody cutting me off, somebody taking my space or whatever it might be. And to that, it's a good thing just to pause and present, to pause and present. It may even mean you need to pull off the highway and stop because if you go any farther, it's going to get worse. In the midst of that argument with your spouse, it may require that you just stop because if someone doesn't stop, it's going to get worse. Things are going to be said that you're going to regret and you need to present yourself to God as a member of righteousness, not unrighteousness. You might be heavy on your kids and they've done something really bad and they've disobeyed. They broke curfew. They have gotten drunk or they've made a really, and somebody's got to stop. And my, I would say the person that stops is the Christian, the Christian adult, the one that knows, the one that reckons, and the one that presents. And so you walk down that road, don't you? You know that you're free from the power of sin. You know that it no longer has The dominion over you, as we'll see in a few moments. Not only are you free from the penalty of the power of sin, but you're also free from the penalty of sin. I mean, you're forgiven. Eternity is yours and mine in Jesus Christ. We are saved. Our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. Not only do we know that, but now we reckon it in those difficult times. We consider it to be a fact. We consider God's word to be true no matter what's going on, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what circumstances have come our way. We reckon it to be so. And then when you're about to give in to that anger and when you're about to share that little juicy bit of gossip that's come your way, when you're about ready to destroy somebody's character with a lie and slander, when you're about to go that way of pain and sorrow and bitterness and frustration, you simply pause and you present yourself to God. It changes the whole perspective. Say, God, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. In my heart of hearts, your spirit living in me, that's not the way I want to go. I don't want to destroy my life. I don't want to destroy someone else's life. I don't want to ruin my reputation. I don't want to tarnish your name. And you pause. And you think about how powerful a pause can be as you present yourselves as an instrument. Next to the word instrument, back in Romans 6, you could circle it and you're right next to it, weapons, You can present yourself a weapon in the hands of God. A wonderful weapon. I'm giving you, God, my body. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you my words. I'm giving you my eyes. I'm giving you my hands. I'm giving you my feet as weapons in your hand, Lord, as something for you to use. I realize what's going on, and I also realize that only through your power can I overcome this. These weapons, isn't that great? Don't let your body, the members of your body, be weapons for the devil, but allow them to be weapons for the Lord. It's so easy for our eyes to become weapons for the devil. Your eye is caught by something and you begin to lust after that guy and you begin to lust after that girl because now the devil's caught your eye and you haven't presented yourself to the Lord and so now your eyes are looking at things they shouldn't be looking at because now you presented your eyes to the devil. Do you realize that Jesus said you can't serve two masters? You either love the one or hate the other. And so there's really no middle ground in relation to sin. Your eyes are either used for the Lord or they're not used for the Lord. Oh, how about your mouth? That same mouth that today was blessing the Lord can be a pretty, pretty devastating weapon in the hands of the enemy, won't you think? As you begin to slander people and hurt people and say bad things about people and say bad things to people that aren't edifying. Your eyes can take you in a direction you don't want to go. Your hands, your hands can be used in a very hurtful ways. And you think in the hands of Jesus Christ, in your life, in his, his spirit dwelling in you. The same hands that were used to hit are now used to hug. Isn't that great? I love hugging. I'm not too big into that holy kiss in the church, but I do love hugging. And these hands, these hands were horrible hands. These hands did things that I'm not proud of. I'm ashamed of. These hands... Yeah, they, they wouldn't have hugged anyone. I mean, uh, my home wasn't a big hugging home. I I, I just didn't grow up that way. And, and and I remember the first time in church, people started wanting to hug me, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. Who are you again? You know, you know, it's hugging me. And what are we hugging for? You know. And then I heard that holy kiss. Like, oh no way. In another church here, is there a holy handshake? Can we get one of those? And I love hugging because these hands used to to do things that that were so hurtful and harmful. But now the same hands that were used in a ugly way. Well, now they used in a wonderful way. And this same mouth that once said bitter, caustic things, you know, I can think of it even in the context of my own marriage and my own family, where these hands were very hurtful in my home, where where my mouth was very hurtful to my wife and to my kids and anyone that walked into my home, that it didn't even cross my mind that I was hurting them and neither did I care. But now the mouth that was once used to hurt now is used to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone that will hear because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. You see, when you present yourself to God, God changes you. And so mouths that used to curse, now bless. Hands that used to hit, now hug. Eyes that used to lust, now eyes are looking. Instead of lusting, you're looking for the lost. Just one little change of letter, isn't that great? Eyes that could lust or eyes that can look for the lost. Amazing what we can do. As God empowers us and changes us, we know and we reckon and we present. Verse 14 now, back in Romans 6. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Did you hear that, guys? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Away with this thought that says, I just can't stop it, Pastor Ed. Oh, really? As a Christian, sin has dominion over you. Well, yeah, no, and you know, there's a hemming and hawing, and instead of just understanding that you are no longer under the law, but you're under grace. And grace draws us back to the graciousness of our heavenly father. Doesn't it just blow you away that God loves you? He knows you right now. You know, I can say very matter of factly that I love you as a congregation. I know so many of you and I'm meeting so many more of you and I genuinely love you. Even after all that I know about you, I love you. But God He's got a laser beam right into your heart. and He knows things about you that I don't know. He knows where you were last night. He knows what was in your mind. He knows all the battles. He knows everything about you. And guess what? He loves you greatly on a grand scale. He loves you perfectly. He loves you passionately. You see, those that want to live life with God legally live so under the burden of guilt. And maybe if some of you grew up in a church that used guilt to motivate Do you realize guilt is not a good motivator? It's a very temporary motivator where you're always feeling heavy-handed. Well, I didn't do this, and I wonder if God loves me now, and I wonder if the church accepts me because I didn't do this, and I forgot to do this, and I'm not sure, and you walk around with this heavy thing of guilt. Guilt is not what God uses to motivate. No, what God does with guilt is he reveals it in your life, convicts you of sin to draw you back to himself. He doesn't use guilt to move you around. Man might do that, but you can reject that. In grace, sin doesn't have dominion over you. I love how the New American Standard, some of you might have the New American Standard version, it's, it's translated, sin shall not be master over you. Sin's not gonna master you anymore. You are out from under the load and the burden of sin. And the reason you are is because you've been moved from under the law. The law has served its purpose in your life. It's brought you to Jesus Christ. It's shown you that you can't be a perfectly good person. It's shown you that apart from Jesus Christ, you and I, we were lost. The law has done its job. The law has brought us to Jesus Christ. And so now in grace, well, sin is no longer the master over us. We're no longer trying to perform for God. We're no longer trying to make things work for God. We're no longer trying to do to please God. We realize that in Jesus Christ, When Jesus Christ, he is pleased with us. He does love us. You know, people who have a relationship with the law often think this way. You know, maybe, and some of what I'm going to share right now is probably going to reveal in some of you that you have more legalism in you than you realize. That you have more of a performance-based relationship with God than you really recognize and realize. One of the ways you say, when you have this relationship with God that's based on performance and works and these legal sets and these are the lists I'm going to follow, this is sort of the attitude that you have. What's the least that I can do to get to heaven? I just want to know the bare minimum. You know, I I want to have, give me the 10 things, give me the five things that I need to do as a Christian. I'll follow those five things. I just want to know what's the bare minimum I need to do. I don't want a whole bunch of lists and rules. I just want a few. I want to know what the bare minimum is. Or how much can I get away with and still be a Christian? (laughs) That's a horrible thing to think. I wonder how much sin I can get away with this week and still be okay with God. Let me answer that. None. Don't try to get away with sin. It's going to hurt you every time. It's going to separate you from God. It's going to bum you out. It's going to begin to destroy you from the inside out. You meet people that are very legalistic, and that's what they do. They want to know the list. But the problem is, is that they're not always satisfied with the list. You can reduce a list down to 10 things and then then you'll start having, well, I like eight of them, but I don't really like all 10. And can I get away with eight of them? Hey, but how about if we separate this one? Can I just still do seven? I mean, I know there are 10, but can I get away with seven? Can I really get away with six? Is there just two things I need to do? Would you please tell me what I need to do? And you're never really sure that you're right with God because you're never really sure you got the right list. Legalism is so heavy, but grace doesn't think that way. Somebody that has a love relationship with God doesn't think that way at all. Let me show you what that looks like. When a person understands the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, the attitude is something along this line. You know, Lord, I wanna grow in your grace and knowledge. I wanna serve you. I wanna give to you. I desire to live for you, Lord. I desire for you to be my all in all. I will do for you as much as you want. You know, Lord, if you'll open the doors, I'll do even more for you because I love you and all that you've done in my life. When we serve the Lord under grace, we're not serving there to try to get to heaven. We're not serving because we want to please God. We serve because in Jesus Christ, he is well-pleased with us. We are well-pleased with him. And there's nothing like a love relationship. Nothing like it.
1: Thanks for studying alongside us on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you'd like to hear this message from Romans again, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. It's free, too. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. Perhaps you were one of the millions that watched Jeremy and Audrey share their vows and commit their lives to one another on the show Little People, Big World. What you may not have realized is that they prepared more for their marriage than their wedding day. In this helpful book, they share their love story in all its beauty and imperfections. Their unique approach to dating empowered them to write an uncommon love story and really prepared them for married life. We'll send you a love letter life when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Share it with someone who is single and help them date intentionally, pursue creativity, and love faithfully. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the costs of being on the radio. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Well, Pastor Ed, we thought we'd try something new this year at Abounding Grace, and that is to give you some questions directly from our listeners and ask you to answer them. Would you take a moment to explain how our listeners can do that through their
0: smartphone? Well, we're really excited. You know, uh, twice a week, uh, nationally, I host a call-in radio show called Calvary Live. It originates here at Calvary Church in our radio network. Isn't it amazing? God entrusted to us a radio network that covers 80% of the population of Colorado and we're still knocking on doors to buy one more station. But at any rate, I, ho- I host a, a live call-in show for an hour twice a week that's broadcast around the country where I take questions on the fly. Just call in with whoever's on your heart. It's pastoral. And I want to invite you to be a part of this. We're just going to do it a little differently. So you take the voice memo app on your phone and share your question. Then email that question to us. And you can email, for now, we're going to use my personal email address, ed at edtaylor.org. That's also tied together with uh, my website, ed at edtaylor.org. And use your voice app, send me a question, send me a comment, email it to us. We'll integrate it, if we can, into the uh, program. Leave your contact information, obviously, so that uh, whether we can put it within the context of Abounding Grace or not, We can respond to you and encourage you in the things of the Lord. So use your voice memo app right on your phone and record whatever you have to say, whatever question you have, whatever comment you want to share. Send it directly to us at ed, that's E-D at edtaylor.org. And uh, looking forward to this, this is very exciting. So whether it's a testimony or a question, use your voice app, send that file to us, and let's see what God might do in the changes that we're making here at Abounding Grace Radio. So cool. Again, if you have a question you'd like Pastor Ed to answer, or
1: maybe you have a testimonial you'd like to share of how God has used the program in your life, please email that to us at ed at And we might use your question on a future radio program. Glad you're taking time out to study Romans with us, and be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace and we'll pick up where we left off in this very helpful and applicable epistle. This is amazing
0: grid.